Recorded live. Good evening. Good evening. We're about to get started with our national Bible study. Is there any outspoken prayer requests at this time? If not, let us go before the Lord. Most gracious and heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you once again just to tell you thank you. We know that you are the one and true living God and that there is nobody like you, Father. Lord, it is a special prayer for our nation at this time that you touch the heart of those that are discouraged by the election. God, let them know that you are in control and that you know what's going to happen before it even happens. We don't understand why it came out the way that it did, but you do, Lord, and we're just believing and trusting on you that you will take care of us the way that you always have. I have a special prayer request to lift up the works family and the passing of a mother, a sister, a daughter. It was a great loss to the family, unexpected, but I ask that you continue to touch them. Lord, I have a special prayer for the Cannon family and the loss of their mother, and that you touch them as they have her service on tomorrow, Lord, and let them know that you can help see them through. 
I say a special prayer for our national president of this organization, Lord, that you touch her body, that you continue to heal her from the crown of her head to the sole of her feet. Lord, it is asked to anyone that is on this call today, as I go forth in this lesson in the season of Thanksgiving, that you let them know and realize that it is you, the one true and living God, who can all do all things and all things are possible through you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, our uh, Bible lesson that we are having for today is a season of thanksgiving, and it's based on Psalms 100, verses 1 through 5, which says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who has made us and not we. And no, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. The Lord is good. Giving thanks to God. It's all about worship. Thankfulness is at the heart of a worshiper. When we come to worship, we can't help but thank God for who he is and what he has done. We need directions to get into worship, and Psalms 100 tells us how. This Psalms does not contain a single concept that is not expressed elsewhere in the Psalms. You may not be aware of this, but there are many different names for God in the Hebrew Bible. This verse uses two of them, Yahweh and Elohim. What the psalmists want us to know is that the same God who watches over us and cares for us as a loving father or mother, Yahweh, is none other than the all-powerful God who brought all creation into existence. Elohim, the Lord is God. Yahweh is Elohim. Did you notice to whom it is addressed, Psalms 100? The first verse says it is addressed to all the earth, and the last verse says that it includes all generations. The importance of giving thanks is so deep and so wide that it applies to every person of every generation who has ever lived. Amen. Webster's New World Dictionary defines the word thanksgiving as a formal public expression of thanks to God. And there is something about giving thanks together to God that breaks down barriers between people and bring about a unity. When studying Psalms 100, one gets the impression that it is inappropriate for us to barge into God's holy presence without taking the proper action and necessary steps. God is so willing to meet us anywhere, any place, and any time, 
But we need to come into his presence with heart, mind, body, and soul that acknowledges the presence of the king. Psalms 100 is a hymn that was sung while entering the temple, and it probably was done in connection with the Thanksgiving ceremony. Let's look closely at Psalms 100 and see what it emphasizes. In verse 1, we find the name of the Lord. In verse 2, we find the name of the Lord. In verse 3, we find the name of the Lord. In verse 4, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. And in verse 5, we see, for the Lord is good, and his love endureth forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. This is the basis of our thanksgiving, the Lord. Alex Haley, the author of Roots, had an unusual picture hanging on his office wall. It was a picture of a turtle on top of a fence post. When asked, why is that there? Alex Haley answered, every time I write something significant, every time I read my words and think that they are wonderful and I begin to feel proud of myself, I look down at the turtle on top of the fence post and remember that he didn't get there on his own. He had help. Isn't it interesting? We are willing to wait in line for hours, standing in line to catch a glimpse of some earthly celebrity, yet we think nothing of running into the presence of God. A spiritual protocol must be followed for whomever who wants to enter into the presence of the king. Psalms 100 shows us the pathway into God's presence as it were, a procession to visit the king. So I'm going to go through this, and we're going to look and examine verse by verse. So Psalms 100 is filled with the commandment. Verse 1 says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. This really is a slice of heaven, isn't it? There is nothing healthier for the soul, more cleansing for the mind. There is nothing that makes a human being more happy than utterly and completely praising the Lord. Shout triumphantly to the Lord, all the earth. This is a repetition of Psalms 98 and 4. The original word shout signifies a glad shout or to give a blast as on a trumpet, such as a loyal subject gives when their king appears before them. Since we don't really see royalty very often in our culture, it would be like shouting at a celebrity to get their attention. The phrase, shout for joy, includes a shout of triumph or a battle cry. When we come to worship, our agenda is to meet God. God's agenda is to meet with us. We raise our voices to get his attention. This is not being rude or disrespectful. As we walk down the path to worship God, we simply cannot be quiet. We are not raising our voices to draw attention to ourselves. We shout for joy because the Lord is coming. Verse 2 says, serve the Lord with gladness. In scripture, the word serve is used to denote 
both an overall way of life, the broader way of life, use of the term and a specific activity, a narrow personal use of the term. The psalmist here speaks of a specific and personal activity of praising God. We glorify God by attributing to him the honor and admiration due him because he is God. What is worship? In this specific sense of praise and admiration, the Puritan Stephen Chinock calls it nothing else but rendering to God the honor that's due him. John MacArthur defines it as honor and admiration directed to, to God. A.W. Tozer gives a more expanded meaning. He says that God wants to cultivate within us the admiration and adoration of which he is worthy. He wants us to be astonished at the inconceivable elevation and magnitude and splendor of God Almighty. So what does it mean to serve God? First, it means to give what you have as a symbol of your gratitude and devotion. In the words of an old hymn, titled Give of, your, Give of Your Best to the Master by Howard B. Goose. It says, Give of your best to the Master. Give of the strength of your youth. Throw your soul fresh, glowing adder into the battle for truth. Jesus has set the example. Dauntless was he, young and brave. Give him your loyal devotion. Give him the best you have. And the chorus says, give of your best to the master, give of the strength of your youth, clap in salvation's full armor, join in the battle for truth. Think of it this way. A three-year-old painstakingly colors a picture to give to his mother or comes up to her with a duff cloth in hand, offering to help clean the house. Do you think? She's going to be upset and critical? Heavens no. In the same way, God is pleased with our gift of love and devotion, no matter how cruel or small or inaccurate they may be seen. To serve God is to give what you have, your time, talent, gifts, and service with a joyful heart. It's it's also to serve others in the name of Jesus Christ. In the parable of the great judgment, Jesus commanded the faithful to show kindness to those in need. He said, I was hungry, and you gave me food to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. When the faithful asked, when did we see you, Lord? He said, and as much as you do, it's one of the least of these, my brother, you do it unto me. And that's Matthew chapter 25, verse 35, 36, and 40. To serve the Lord with gladness is to be a cheerful giver, lending a helping hand to those in need, showing mercy to those who are struggling, practicing random acts of kindness whenever, wherever you go not out of obligation or duty, but out of gratitude for what God has done for you. Let's take a look at verse number three. It says, come before him with joyful songs. 
Our shout will turn to song. Music is the form through which we often express our gladness, our joy, and our praise. Our songs are not to create our gladness, but to express it. Through our singing, we approach God. It is a fit anticipation for heaven. There are 575 references to praise, sing, and music found in the Bible. At the very center of the volume is 150 song hymnals known as psalms. From the beginning, music has been an essential link between God and his children. Throughout history, music has played an important and essential part of our worship to God. Most churches devote one hour of the worship hour to music. One thing we need to be mindful of is that when we stop worshiping God, but start worshiping the music. Music is a vehicle that stirs the emotions and expresses our heart. But music is not worship. It is part of the protocol that prepares the heart and sets the stage for the encounter with God. Music is a sacrifice of praise, not a synonym for worship. John MacArthur wrote, Music and lyricals can assist or express a worshiping heart, but they cannot make a non-worshiper heart into a worshiping one. The danger is that they can give a non-worshiper heart the sense of being worshipped. So the critical factor in worship in the church is not the form of worship, but the state of the heart of the saints. If your heart isn't right, your worship won't be right. And our corporate work, if our corporate worship is an expression of our individual worship lives, it is unacceptable. If you think you can live any way you want and then go to church on Sunday morning and turn on worship with the saints, you're wrong. Let's look at verse four. Verse says, "According, like, I'm sorry, acknowledge the Lord is God." Here we pause like a soldier that salutes a five-star general. We recognize that we are entering into the presence of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Here we acknowledge that Jesus is our Savior and submit to him as Lord. We remind ourselves as to whom God is, and at the same time we are reminded of who we are. He is the Creator. We are the created. He is the shepherd. We are the sheep. He is the supreme commander. We are his people. We are completely dependent on him for everything. In other words, he is God. We are not. Acknowledging God is the intellectual side of our worship protocol. Mentally, we acknowledge the God of the universe. Our worship is to have a firm foundation both based on the creator, who is God. This is the persecute, the precursor to praise. Now let's take a look at verse number five. Open the door to God. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Drawing an analogy from the temple, the psalmist informs us as to how 
we can open the door into God's presence. The gates were a part of the outer wall that surrounded the temple grounds. One entered the temple complex through the gates. As we enter God's presence, we enter his gates with thanksgiving. Here, we thank God for what he has done. Once through the gate, the worshiper enters the courts with praise. Here, we extol God for who he is. One gets a sense of movement from the outside to the inside, moving closer to the presence of God. Praise is not worship. And a lot of people get confused with that. If they think if they're praising God, they're worshiping God. Praise is not worship. It sets the stage for worship. Praise anticipates what is to come. Entering the presence of God. Praise precedes worship. Praise is the way into worship. And worship is the way into an encounter with the living God. David Edwards, in his book, Worship 365, writes, When we praise God, we are ringing the doorbell, making our presence known, letting him know that we have come to see him. When he hears our praise, he opens up the door and invites us to come in. When we go inside, we move from praise to worship. In other words, praise is the vehicle into God's presence, and worship is what we do once we get into God's presence. While God is everywhere omniscient, God revealed presence occur when we worship. God has chosen to manifest himself in the praises of his people. David wrote of God, but you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. And that's Psalms 22, verse 3. God is enthroned in our praise. Thus, our praise creates the atmosphere for an audience with the king. When we come before God with thanksgiving and praise on our lips and in our hearts. So praise is, is the, is, gets us in the door and worship gets us all the way through. Next verse, verse 5, give thanks, give thanks to God. I'm sorry, 4, give thanks to God. It says give thanks to him. Notice the repetition in verse 4. Give thanks to God and praise him are stated twice. It is repeated so that we will not miss its importance. And then verse 4 also says, Praise his name, which is bless the name of the Lord. The word praise means to kneel. It communicates the idea to show honor and homage to God by kneeling before him as King of kings and Lord of lords. True worship always involves falling at the feet of God. Because we are in the presence of the King, the Lord of the universe, the essential of his being, his all-encompassing nature, his very person, his resolute character is summed up in God's name. All of God is embodied in his name. He is the object of our worship, the personal God who reveals his name, which includes his presence, and his authority.
What do we know about the name, the person, the character, the nature of God? The psalmist reminds us that the Lord is good. That's Psalms 100, verse 5. He is gracious and kind. His love or mercy is eternal. The word for love means covenant love. God has bound us to himself in a covenant or contract that he will never revoke or abandon. His faithfulness endures through all generations. God is not fickle or forgetful. He does not change his purpose or break his words. We must understand the name of God. We must begin to grasp, as feeble as our minds and hearts are, the greatness, holiness, wisdom, goodness, loving kindness, and truthfulness of the name of God. The essence of worship is to be blessed, to fall down, and to ascribe glory to the name of God. Heartfelt worship is to be gripped in the depth of our being by goodness, love, and faithfulness of our Creator. The presence of God is revealed. At this point, we have truly worshiped. Worship is not the shout or the singing or the thanksgiving or the praising. All of those are the prelude. Worship is encountering the person of God as revealed by his name. Worship is an audience with the king. Let us not forget, our hymn refers to this truth again and again. We sing some songs as, O oh, worship the king, O oh, glorious above, Praise ye the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. Come thou, Almighty King, help us thy name to sing. When we come to worship, we come to meet the King of the universe. And like an earthly king, there are certain protocols that we must meet to follow. So there are several different types of worship. I'm going to focus on nine different types of worship. And these expressions stem from David's desire to worship the Lord wholeheartedly and without reservation. Oddly enough, these expressions are not foreign to us, but we fail to practice them in our corporate worship for one reason or another. So they're broken down into three physical expressions, which is the spoken voice, our posture, and our hand. And then under each one of those is three types. So I'm going to try my best. If I talk too fast, you need me to repeat, I will repeat. So the first one, under the spoken voice, the first form of worship is speaking. This is found in Psalms 34 and 1. And it says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. The second form of worship under the spoken voice is shouting. This comes from Psalms 27, verse 6, which says, When my heart, I'm sorry, when my head will be extolled above the enemies who surround me at his tabernacle, will I sacrifice with shouts of joy? I will sing and make music to the Lord. The, the last one under the spoken voice is singing. 
The reference to that can be found in Psalms 47 and 6, which says, Sing praises to God, sing praises to our King, sing praises. Anybody need me to repeat? Okay, I'm moving on. The next one is posture, and there are three types of ways that we can praise the Lord in reference to posture. The first one is bowing. This can be found in Psalms 95 and 6, which says, Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. The second one under posture is standing. This comes from Psalms 119, verse 120, which says, My flesh trembles in fear of you. I stand in awe of your laws. And then the last one under posture is dancing. This comes from Psalms 149 and 3, which says, Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with tambourines and harps. Anybody that know me? No, I love the tambourine, so I will praise the Lord and dance and be my tambourine. The last one um, for types of worship has to do with our hands. And the first one under hands is playing instruments. This is found, reference scripture, Psalms, chapter 33, verses 2 and 3, which says, praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-string lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. Number two under hands is clapping. This is found in Psalms 47 and 1, which says, Clap your hands, all you nations, shout to God with cries of joy. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then the last one under hands is found in lifting hands. This is found in Psalm 63 and 4, which says, I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. So my question to you all tonight is, what are you thankful for? I have put together a short list to help you get started. Be thankful to be alive. Consider the alternative. To be alive is to have the potential of doing something creative, constructive, and beneficial. If it only is to feed the dog, you have done something. Number two, be thankful for the gift of love. To love and to be loved turns existing into living. Number three, be thankful for the gift of time. You have 24 hours every day, just like the president or the pope, to use just about any way you choose. Number four, be thankful for the air you breathe, the water you drink, the food you eat. They not only sustain your life, they give you strength and pleasure. Number five, be thankful for the gift of color. Can you imagine a glorious sunset in black and white? 
Number six, be thankful for the gift of music. It can warm your heart and speak to your soul. Number seven, be thankful for earthworms that till the soil and buzzards that clean up roadkill and a thousand other creatures working day and night in harmony with the universe. Number nine, more than anything else, be thankful for a God who loves you, wants, warts and all, and has proven that love beyond all doubt by sacrificing his only son to redeem you for your sinful nature and reconcile you to him. And ten, take a moment to make a list of all the things that you think of to be thankful for. Then offer them up to the Lord in praising and thanksgiving. Someone has said that there are two kinds of worshipers, flatliners and highlanders. Flatliners live in only two dimensions. They are well-versed in faith. They know the lay of the land. They know the routine, and they love it. The only problem is they are living in a horizontal realm. They don't know there is an up to to life. Highlanders are simply flatlanders who have discovered worship. They are constantly pushing up, up, up to experience God. What a privilege we have been afforded to have an audience with the king. Let us not take it for granted. Let us do what is needed, following the protocol to meet him. As we prepare to celebrate Thanksgiving this year, take a moment to marvel at the beauty of God's creation and bask in the warmth of God's love and be grateful. Never, ever forget Christ died for you in order to bring you from death to life. And don't forget to be thankful. Amen. Amen and amen. Were there any questions, comments, input? Did you enjoy the lesson? Yes, Sora. Awesome lesson. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Did everybody get the scriptures? Anybody need me to go back, repeat for you all? All right. If not, I thank you for um, joining us today for our message, which was a season of Thanksgiving. We will um, resume on next month, and our um, Bible study will be taught by our own national president, Father Sheree Watson. So I look forward to you all joining us, and any guests that were on the line, please join us again. And everybody have a blessed night. You as well. Amen. Amen. Good night.